0: tennis.com podcast and here's your host ed mcgrogan hi guys welcome back to the podcast this is ed mcgrogan here with steve tigner uh, catching up after one third roughly of the 2015 australian open passing us by Uh, we're into the as of this recording about half of the fourth round is set the rest of it will be set probably by the time you listen to this and uh it was you know, more than overdue to kind of catch up on what we've seen from uh a a tournament that that has been i think pretty overall pretty dramatic for the most part even though you know, some schedules don't haven't seemed at face value to be really compelling every day has kind of brought us something uh you know to take away in my opinion steve
1: yeah it seems like the matches that you wouldn't really expect to be good <clears throat> have been good the Nadal, Smicek, uh Sharapova, Panova, and then Federer, Seppi, and Dimitrov, Bagdadis. I didn't really expect those. I expected those to be pretty one-sided. And they've all been, they've all been, um, you know, very exciting and almost. They all, you know, there was one upset and a couple near upsets.
0: Yeah, the uh, yeah, it's funny you mention that Dimitrov Baghdatis went right away. I mean. When I came into uh, looking at day five, it was, to me, on the outset, just really a table setter to what would eventually become um, two really outstanding fourth-round matches in this loaded fourth quarter. And uh, what we got was Dimitrov, to me, really kind of playing pretty passively against Baghdadis. I mean, Baghdadis can, you know, especially down in Australia where he has great support, he can kind of turn it on, you know, at the right time, but um, Dimitrov to me didn't really impress in that, and then, you know, that was really kind of, uh, you know, just the beginning of the day because Federer, you know, ends up going down to Andreas Seppi in four sets, you know, against someone that gave, obviously, an even more inspired effort. So, it, it you know, some changes, but, th- you know, those two guys uh, right away just, you know, st- stuck out, of course.
1: Yeah, I hadn't expected Baghdadis to, to give Dimitrov that much of a match. I guess I've seen Baghdadis lose too often in the last few years and he did end up losing this match in a sort of typical way he just couldn't win the big point when he needed it but um but he played well and then seppi you know i don't there's just no way to to have really believed that he was gonna push fetter or beat him he'd lost 10 straight matches one set in those 10 matches to Federer. um but you know we, you could see he's a he's a good player and you wonder why he wasn't able to do any better against against Federer. Federer even himself said that he respected his game and, and thought had always thought he was a good player, but he obviously could just could never do anything against against Roger until last night.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, To me, he kind of bucks the trend of the um, you know the more flashy Italian players. He's to me kind of really more of a meat and potatoes guy and. Um, he he has posted some pretty good wins over the past four years or so but you know really this is at the point of a slam where you kind of figured it was his ceiling that he that he hit um yeah you know, to me this loss for roger is uh, kind of a little, one of the more surprising of his late of his um, early round slam losses of late because um, you know it's you know in in some losses particularly I'm thinking of like Sergei stakovsky at Wimbledon Robredo at the open a couple of years ago you kind of you kind of knew that Federer just didn't have it on that day and you know today obviously or yesterday Federer had a pretty you know pretty poor start a lot of errors and such but but he really did seem to kind of get the match back in his hands in the third set and you know he had leads uh, um, in the fourth set as well, but you know in kind of an instant it really just turned and it was you know you know he dug too big of a hole it was just too late. But I thought in that respect it was it was kind of even even more surprising to see a guy who was zero ten you know finally get a win over him.
1: Yeah, I don't you know Federer didn't play well, but he wasn't as bad as like you say some of the some of the matches he lost in 2013. Um, this match was one he would. I think, you know, we've seen him win this type of match a lot, playing, sort of m- making errors, but then maybe winning, pulling out the tiebreakers, coming, you know, coming up with big serves in the tiebreakers and, and winning the match that way, getting through that way. But, and he, you know, it looked like he was going to do that. He he was up 4-1 in the first set tiebreaker, 3-1 in the, or sorry, 4-1 in the first tiebreaker, 3-1 in the second tiebreaker. But I felt like Seppi just, in those moments, um... Played better. He really just raised his game at the end of those two tiebreakers. Federer didn't come up with the huge serves that he usually does. He double faulted in the second tiebreaker, but Sebby put the ball on the line a lot when he needed to. Um, he said he'd felt more calm than any match he'd ever played in his career. So, you know, I'd say you'd have to give him credit for winning those few points that maybe Federer would normally win. Afterward, Federer said, I, I won the wrong points. And I think I think that's, you know, a good way to describe it.
0: Yeah, he you know it's it's been written a couple of times, but he actually did win one more point than Seppi the whole match, and and you know goes down in four. Um, the serve, I, I very much agree with you saying that you know that is a a hallmark of Roger, especially at the slam, especially in the early rounds of the slam. Just you know always being able to kind of call upon that shot to to really just um, you know. Get him out of trouble a bit, and, and that just wasn't the case today. Here, um, you know, by my count now, I am pr- I'm pretty sure that in the last 20 Grand Slams, um, this is the Rogers won one of just one of those tournaments. I, so it's you know this run of him keeps going as you know when you compare it back to obviously his greatest years, you know. The, the you know the titles certainly are becoming more and more infrequent, you know it's still strange to say that when you when you look at the year he just had and most wins on tour a number of you know very prestigious titles, and you know I do I still do expect this year you know he 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 won the tune up event right before the Oz Open pretty convincingly too. You know, I still kind of expect you know a good showing from Roger this year. I do think that you know Wimbledon's pretty significant now when it comes to you know the majors. Of course, I can't. I don't think you can expect Roger to kind of you know pick one up at the French here. And, and you know, by the time he gets to the U.S. Open, he's gonna be 34. So I think you know if, if we're looking at it from that sort of perspective I, I think that's the kind of top of line view of where roger federer stands
1: yeah you wouldn't say i don't think this is a match where you would say oh now he's declining he lost this because he's aging i don't, I don't think you can say that having watched this match but it just becomes a matter of time and how many more grand slams is he going to play in the future how many more chances is he going to have it's like you said it's it's 4 months now until the french open by the time he plays the last slam of this year he'll be thirty four um you know it just gets to be a matter of a matter of time and a matter of slams that are left it, he's he's not playing just to win the grand slams but I think we could say that he he wouldn't feel that it wouldn't be a great success the last few years of his career if he wasn't able to to pull one last one out he's won one in the last five years I, that has
0: to be something that, that he considers. Absolutely. Um, let's switch course to the women right now, and in particular the um, you know, the the round of sixteen that has been determined thus far, and that's the bottom half of the draw. It's a pretty, it, it's a quite a mix of characters we have here, with Sharapova, Halep, Bouchard, um, you know, advancing. The other the other top seed. Uh, Ekaterina Makarova, number ten, is in the other matchup, and you have Ger- and you have you know joining them, we have Julia Gergis, Yanina Wickmeyer, Arena Bagu and um, Peng Shui. So it's you know to me, it it certainly looks like this is a quarter that um, that Chalk could really you know do some do some damage. I think I think you I think you do kind of end up with some pretty nice uh, quarterfinals here, and to me, you know. The other big takeaway thus far this week has been the really the continued success of of Hallop and Bouchard who obviously you know had had a really great years in 2014 and with that some pretty big expectations coming into this season you know thus far both of them have, look, have looked uh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, I you know I was sort of looking at Bouchard as somebody who might have a letdown after the not just playing so well last year but but sort of becoming a, a big star, that this, this would be, it would make sense for her to have some something of a letdown this year. You know, not in this tournament. She's shown as like she did at the at the Slams last year. She can she can beat the people she's supposed to beat and and play well at these events. Um, she's looked really good. I thought. I think a lot of people were looking at her last match against Caroline Garcia as a as a dangerous match. Garcia had been playing well. Um, she'd beaten she had won their only previous match, but, um, Bouchard won, you know, won the second set 6-0, won it, you know, running away and looked like the much better player.
0: Pretty important match, I think overall for her to win at this, at this early juncture of the year.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, that keeps her, it's, as far as like another young rival that keeps it, that keeps her ahead of Garcia and, and, and sort of keeps somebody else from becoming, you know, the new sort of newsmaking young player. And as for Halep, she's sort of had her moments in this tournament, I feel like, when she hasn't played well, when she's gone off a little bit, when she's looked a little nervous and rushed things. Uh, but she still won. I feel like we could see that again from her. Maybe she was up 5-1 in the second set against Bethany Maddox-Sands. She lost the next four games to make it 5-all before winning. I don't know if that's a great sign for her. But, um, but you know, I, I think she... She, I'm looking forward to her playing possibly uh, Makarova in the quarterfinals. I think that's a good, you know, that's a that'll be an interesting matchup. And of course, Bouchard could play Sharapova in the quarterfinals. Obviously, also a uh, you know a a pretty big a pretty big match.
0: Yeah, of course, for sure. And you know, Sharapova, as we've said, uh, comes from two match points down to to avoid a, a huge early upset. Um, you know, we. Ana Ivanovic was the number 5 seed she went out on day 1 and it appeared for it appeared that Sharapova was about ready to, to join her on the outs but you know comes through uh with you know two great points down two match points against Panova yeah,
1: there. Well see. You know, last year Lina was down a match point in the in, early in the tournament saved it and won the turn of course that doesn't happen every tournament but it could be where Sharapova f- sort of feels like she has a a second life in this tournament. She, though she does have a tough match next against Peng. That's not necessarily that easy, and it won't be that easy for her. She'll have to play, you know, much better than she did early
0: on. Yes, uh, Peng won to make who has made you know, noise at slams before against top seeds. Um, I would like to. It would be rash to not mention um, two of the Australians that are that are still around and you know, one probably is not a big surprise, Um, Nick Kyrgios, he, perhaps it is a surprise, because we didn't see a lot from Kyrgios um, in the early, in uh, really since the U.S. Open last year, but uh, Kyrgios has, you know, uh, during a tournament where the expectations, or not necessarily the expectations, the hype is certainly there, I would, I've got to think that if, if I was down in Melbourne, it would be pretty tough to avoid seeing, um, you know, some things touting, you know, obviously their next great player, and you know, he is all the way into the uh, into the second week of the slam here. Um, you know, the other one, certainly a big surprise, is Bernard Tomic, who uh, has made his way to the fourth round, uh, looking, you know, the pretty much the opposite of Kyrgios. Tanasi Kokonakis, the other Aussie youth who, you know, did pretty well, you know, I think a very, uh, a very sort of studied and, uh, uh, just a different Tomach than, than we've seen at previous opens. Um, you know, the talk before the event and going into it was that perhaps Bernie sort of kind of realized where, where this stage of his career is and, he he always has brought it at this event, and um, and this has been I think one of the most impressive stories really of, of the first five days. He gets, you know, Thomas Burdich next, and you know for both these guys it, it's a pretty it's a pretty great story.
1: Yeah, I think Kyrgios. It's almost as if what's impressive is how you know how sort of routine he's made making the fourth round of a Slam look already. Uh, pretty good win over Ivro Karlovich. That takes a lot of patience. And I think we were wondering whether he would make it to a fourth round match against Federer, but it's Federer who doesn't make it um, to play him. Kurios now has obviously the draws opened up for him. You could even anticipate you even look forward to a um, possible semifinal against Nadal. But um but and Tomic, like you said, looks much better. This is all this is the story every year it seems with him. He he um he likes this part of the season he likes playing at home he likes you know this Aussie run but he does look better he looks fitter he looks more serious he's played well he's you know he has a win over Burditch. um but I still like Burdich in that match I think Burdich is also a guy who who's starting the year well with a new coach seems to have a better attitude right now seems to be playing really well I I, I like him to win but that that's definitely a match of two guys
0: who have suddenly, you know, suddenly looked like they have new life this season. Who do you like along those lines in the Anderson Nadal match? Because uh, that's, it's not, it, it's. I've really mentioned it for the comparison of Anderson and Burdich, and I, I think uh, when, when a lot of us looked at the draw before, you know, you could, you could certainly make the case that you know this is a, a sort of a that. Flame throwing opponent that Rafa could have trouble with.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. Um, if you know they've known each other for a long time, I think I still like Rafa in that match. It's I don't know if Anderson is really dynamic enough from the from the baseline. He has the height, and he has the two handed backhand, but I don't know if he's the kind of guy who can put the ball past Rafa. Sort of, what, you know, if he's hot uh, for three sets on this kind of court um so I still like Nadal he like Sharapova had his scare and maybe that you know maybe that helps your mindset maybe that helps make you relax now and you know you know he yeah, obviously that, was really good in his next match
0: yeah I mean that was I think to me at least a little bit of I don't know if it, it should have been or not but but Rafa did really you know it just really didn't look good for him against Smichek for a while and, and turning it around to really um, have almost no trouble um against Sailor in his third rounder. I mean you you do have to like what you what you ended up seeing from Rafa there. Um and and that's kind of where you know, where things are at um at the open. Is there any any other things from the um first part of the week that uh spring to mind or some things that you're possibly looking forward to, um, you know, in the next few days? Well, I think, um, you know, I think that,
1: um, well, you know, we'll, by the time this goes up, we'll, we may not know the out outcome. We may know the outcome, but, but um, Petra Kvitova and Madison Keys, we, they're going to play. We won't know who wins, but um, each of them has also, like Burditch almost and, and a few other players has looked like really like almost like they've turned a corner this early part of the year. So that, that'll be interesting. Whichever one of them advances, you know, I, I feel like they're looking, they look good for 2015.
0: Yeah. It, it's the night match tonight. And I think probably the best match of the day. Um, Kvitova to me, I, um, I, I, I am kind of all in on her this year. I think, I think you know, it would not surprise me if she won this event. It would not really surprised me if she if she won this year on on the women's side i i've i'm i'm kind of i'm gonna go with that and and see where we go but keys has been strong um and uh you know things happen at night um at grand slams as mm-hmm. as, as we know so um with that, we will um, we'll touch base again uh, as the, the later rounds continue to form at the Australian Open. So for Steve Tigner, I'm Ed McGrogan. Uh, keep tuning into Tennis.com for more on the Aussie Open. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.